0: Welcome to Breaking It Down, a podcast from the Multiple Sclerosis Trust. Some say the podcast from the Multiple Sclerosis Trust, but hey, that's not for me to say. You can be the judge of that. I'm Will, I'm a volunteer with the MS Trust. And I have both multiple sclerosis and a pathological hunger for attention. So I'm going through the video archive of the MS Trust to get expert advice for the former and republish it in a way that will hopefully sate the latter. Ask the Expert Redux, I'm going through the video leftovers in the MS Trust YouTube fridge and rustling up a delicious sonic breakfast wrap out of them. I stand by this metaphor. I'm a volunteer, so all the views I express here in After are mine and not those of the MS Trust. And let me warn you, there's going to be views. Uh, you know, you get a podcast with me, you, you're going to have views. I'm afraid that's kind of part and parcel. But it's fine. You can uh, you just, just rinse them with, with cold water and they, they shouldn't stain. In this episode, our expert is Sue Barnes, a consultant nurse in pain management, and well, I spoil it, didn't I? We, we're going to be asking her about, you know you've guessed it, pain management, that's right. Yeah, it makes sense, right?
1: Hello, my name is Sue Barnes, I'm a consultant nurse in pain management, I work at Salford Royal Hospital, um, and I see many patients with um, a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis who have ongoing persistent pain.
0: Pain is many things to many people. For some, it's the physical manifestation of the inevitable suffering that characterizes life. For others, it's simply the French word for bread. And for fitness coaches keen on first order predicate logic, it's a necessary but not sufficient condition to gain. I'll give you a minute on this one, a bit of a slow burner. Let's hear from Sue about the difference between nerve pain and musculoskeletal pain.
1: Quite often when we have an area of our body that aches, so we've all at some point pulled a muscle maybe in our back, or so done a little bit too much gardening, so that intense achy sensation in an area is what I would call a muscle skeletal pain. It sometimes feels like it would get better if I rest or with heat, whereas a nerve pain is, feels completely different. So people would describe this as a burning, shooting, electric shock type pain. Quite often it will radiate down very quickly suddenly, and sometimes with no apparent reason. Um, So they do feel completely different.
0: And I can confirm they do feel different. As people with multiple sclerosis, we are prone to spasticity. Watch this space for a future episode of Ask the Expert Redux about spasticity. And it is this spasticity that's the cause of our musculoskeletal pain. So different types of pain, they feel different, they have different causes. Are those different types of pain treated differently?
1: They are. So you'd find that your GP or whoever you see with your MS condition will be very interested to hear about how you describe your pain. So any sort of muscle skeletal pain, pain or movement and bending, they will be treated with your traditional pain killing tablets like codeine, paracetamol, uh, maybe a short course of um, ibuprofen or naproxen Um or, whereas your other pain, your neuropathic pain, your burning, shooting pain, these um, types of pain are treated with medications that are not traditional pain medications. So medications that are traditionally been used for depression and for epilepsy can actually be very effective at calming down those misbehaving pain nerves and stop them firing constantly. Unfortunately, they can't completely stop that sensation; they can only reduce it to more of a background level.
0: Ooh. Okay, there's a couple of things in that answer I'd like to bounce on. First is the point about the descriptions of pain. Pain has this powerful paradox of being both a universal human experience, yet being unique, personal, and, if not outright ineffable, certainly difficult to f. So in the absence of a blood test, an x-ray, or even a standardized questionnaire or scale, we have to stray into poetic territory. Content warning, the sentence ahead contains a lot of gerunds. The pain may be of a stabbing, cutting, stinging, burning, boring, splitting, colicky, crushing, gnawing, nagging, gripping, scolding, shooting or throbbing character. It may be dull or sharp, localized or general, persistent, recurrent or chronic. Often it is radiating or pulsating. It's all all based on the word. Conveying the quality of our pain to our medics is crucial because not only do we want to distinguish between musculoskeletal pain and neuropathic pain, but as we'll see later in this episode, also between different types of neuropathic pain, because this distinction matters to how we treat it. The other point is about medication. Since this interview was recorded, the UK has rescheduled cannabis, making medical cannabis technically legal, if still de facto inaccessible in the country. And, in 2019, the National Institute for Clinical Excellence, nice issued prescription guidelines for cannabis-based medical products. The guidelines do not consider pains to be an indication, millennia of safe medical use notwithstanding. but MS plasticity is one of the very few indications recognized by the NHS. Now, I'm a cannabis advocate, a cannabis activist, and just before I press record, a cannabis user. So I won't give you my usual spiel, but... I'll just say that three years after the law changed, safe access to cannabis and cannabis-based medicines is still, in the UK, nil impossible. Thankfully, there are organizations like PLEA, the Patient-Led Engagement for Access, and Professor David Nutt's Project 2021 that aim to change that. Check them out online, links in the show notes. Back to our scheduled program before I rudely hijacked it. <laughs> hijacked it, hi. <clears throat> Is there anything I can do to manage pain myself?
1: I think that's a great question because it is, I feel, very much teamwork. So the medication only plays a small part. We say maybe 30%, 40% pain relief your medication will give you. But how you manage your day-to-day activities and your MS condition will also play a big contributing part to living with MS and with pain. So we talk a lot about pacing our activities. Uh, We talk about the benefits of relaxation and mindfulness. We know that living with pain is extremely stressful And it is a natural um, stimulant to our body to make us feel more anxious. We produce more adrenaline and adrenaline fuels our pain nerves even more. So any way that we can help to decant some of that stress that the pain brings along is great to looking at managing this long term. So I think it is very much you having a a role to play and looking at self-management strategies is great. Um, Some people use Tai Chi or Pilates. Um, mindfulness we spoke about as ways to help to stay active but also try and reduce the everyday stress of being in pain and living with MS.
0: And those are certainly some words to live by here. For me the management of any chronic condition or symptom is first and foremost a self-care exercise. I was lucky enough that I already had a regular meditation practice when I got diagnosed and it's definitely helped me. I cannot comment on the Tai Chi or the Pilates, but I do do yoga and I found that along with the stress reduction, those practices, of course, if done right, can only help with the musculoskeletal side of things. The stress point is an important one. I'd watched all eight seasons of House MD, yes, even the latter rather disappointing ones, and yet it took a couple of years and perhaps a couple of burned bridges before I realized that my pain may have something to do with my mood, my irritability, my disagreeableness. It turns out people around me were completely willing to cut me some slack once they knew I was in pain. So once they know, if they know, being the operative here, because pain, like fatigue, like spasticity, like depression, like executive dysfunction, like a lot of MS symptoms, pain is an invisible symptom. So now I try to be as open as possible about those things. And it's not always easy when the cultural tropes around pain still to this day are about bearing it with stoicism, with a stiff upper lip. I was shocked to find that the prevalence of chronic pain in the UK, regardless of etiology, regardless of underlying cause, is 43%. 43%! I wrote those words in capitals in the script. I think it says something about the omerta, about the silence, about the taboo around speaking of one's pain. You know, as a society, (laughs) when 30 million people in the country are in chronic pain, and yet we seldom talk of it or indeed about it. We've come leaps and bounds when it comes to awareness of everything to do with mental health, but physical pain is not much talked about, perhaps because it is simply taken for granted as a part of life. And it is, but like children, books, or aubergines, some people end up having more than others. There is Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, CBT, for chronic pain, or indeed for MS Fatigue. And I like that this speaks to the idea that pain is part and parcel of the pensionist pamper of life and that how you relate to the symptom is as important as the symptom itself in that, unlike the symptom itself, how you relate to it is something over which you have agency. But all this stuff is easier said than done, especially if you're not doing well mood-wise. What can I do if pain makes me feel low in mood? I think
1: this is something that we hear an awful lot. So as human beings, I say we are not robots. So pain is very much not just a sensation. It affects our thoughts, feelings and emotions. And they're very much going hand in hand with each other. Being in pain is distressing and it can make us feel very helpless. It make us feel... Really frustrated, and eventually can make our mood feel a little bit low, and we can feel depressed. We know if our mood gets low, it's as though somebody then turns up the intensity of our pain. So it is important to recognise when your mood is a little low and try to look at the things that you enjoy doing and doing some of those activities. Sometimes we get very uh, focused on doing the everyday tasks that we must do rather than thinking, I've only got so much time or energy to do something in a day. We always say, Try and make that to be an activity that you find pleasurable or enjoyable because that will release your own natural endorphins, which are your feel-good chemicals, which will be a way of helping to lift your mood in a more natural way.
0: Again, super advice from Sue. Let me reiterate some of the main bullet points, though. First up is that task management, correct, task management, can alleviate the impact of pain on mood. And that's because pain impacts how much we can do, and it is this, in turn, which impacts on our mood. Secondly, detecting mood turns early helps. Now, this will depend, of course, on one's own level of self-understanding, but there are tools like journaling or mood tracking, be it on paper or by apps, that can help with that. And finally, being aware of what activities bring us pleasure and hope and scheduling them in, even if the appetite for them is lacking. I mean, why do you think I'm doing this, like the podcast, right now, hmm? And because none of these things are specifically about pain, but really about any condition that brings stress into our lives and affects our ability to perform tasks, it also applies to, say, fatigue, or indeed, indeed to low mood itself. Meta. meta, 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 meta. meta, meta. 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 <laughs> moving on to something completely different. Trigeminal neuralgia is an actual pain in the face, but it has the silver lining of offering very specific treatment options. Let's hear from Sue on this.
1: We do see lots of people with MS that also unfortunately have uh, facial pain as a result of trigeminal neuralgia. Um, I would say that will be something you need to seek advice with your GP and they may refer you on to a specialist pain centre um, for management of that. Um, We know that um, sometimes surgery around that trigeminal nerve can be helpful or coating it with a glycerol injection puts a coating around the nerve and stops it being as sensitive. Um, That unfortunately though is surgical. It's a surgical procedure which also comes with risks, but it does give us usually a really good outcome of stopping the pain alternatively if we feel the trigeminal nerve is misbehaving and firing but it's not being compressed or there's nothing irritating that nerve then we look at medication options and that would usually be carbamazepine would be the drug of choice that your gp may start you with or someone on the ms team would start you with
0: well i don't have trigeminal neuralgia myself Touch wood, so I can't give you a personal take here, but I do find the existence of those surgical options very interesting. Because it turns out, as Sue mentioned, that not all forms of trigeminal neuralgia respond well to them. I found a paper, link in the show notes, arguing that surgery worked for trigeminal neuralgia presenting as brief, lancinating pain, but not for those presenting with a continuous pain component. This is why describing pain accurately to nurses and doctors is so important. Remember the Gironds. Remember the Girons. Hashtag remember the Girons. Now, our last question Whom should I speak to if my current treatment for pain isn't working?
1: Quite often our GPs are very knowledgeable about the right medications to put you on or it may be um, the MS team, someone in that team, will be able to help and support you. Um, There is the option to ask to be referred to a pain centre and we see people who have got long-term pain as a result of MS who maybe medications are helping a little but not a great deal and we look at helping people to learn how to live with pain and how to manage it differently. Um, We don't have any magic drugs, but it is very much about that self-management role and getting a better understanding about your condition, but how to stay active and how to not allow your mood to get affected as a result of being in ongoing pain.
0: And this is a great point on which to end this episode. Pain, like many of the symptoms of multiple sclerosis, is not addressed in a vacuum. It requires a broader approach, encompassing sleep, diet, exercise, lifestyle, all of the usual suspects. Thankfully, the MS Trust is here to help with that. They have a great page on pain in their HZ of MS. You can reach it at mstrust.org.uk slash pain. Do check it out. It's a, it's a great little page. It covers all of the points you've heard in the interview, but in greater depth. It's got management strategies. It's got therapeutic approaches. Hey, there's even a couple more of those gerunds we're so keen on. Remember the gerunds. That's it for this episode. Ask the Expert Redux was produced and presented by my good self, Wilbur Art, with enthusiasm and trepidation. My two foster cats. Many thanks to the MS Trust for their continued support, to Sue Barnes at the Royal Salford Hospital, you've heard her in the interview, and to End Chaplin, who's written and produced our theme tune. You can find him online at Ant Chapman Audio. Thank you for listening to my reduction of Ask the Expert. I'll see you next, but... Oh, God, it's even worse than the previous one.